Um, I think we're ready to go live if you want to hit it, Derek. We're good? Great. Good morning, worldwide ultra fans. Day two of I Run Far Live here in Olympic Valley, California. We're here at the coffee bar in the Squaw Village with a live studio yeah, audience. Yeah, This is so cool for me. I feel like everybody's here to see Megan and I, but I have a feeling you're here to see the Pretty man between sure us. Pretty sure you're here to yeah. see the guy in between us. Um, yeah, if you don't know that, this is Dylan Bowman, and I'm Megan Hicks, and we're here uh, hosting your uh, three live shows from Olympic Valley and our pre-race runner interviews. So uh, it's a great pleasure for you guys to join us both here live and online. Yeah, and of course, we're, we're brought to you by Drymax, who's a longtime sponsor of our good yeah. friend Jim here, uh, also Buff and uh, Jaybird Sports. So thank you to the sponsors who support I Run Far. We also want to say thank you to the coffee bar. That's where we are, right here in Olympic Valley. Yeah. We've got some great uh, food and drink specials, including an afternoon happy hour for those of you who either are racing and could use uh, take a little pressure off for those of you who aren't <laughs> racing. We also have a store back there, the I Run Far store. We've got socks, buffs, t-shirts. We've got even free stickers, so at least take free stickers with you. Those of you who are watching online, we've got an online store. You can shop as you watch. It's irunfar.com slash store. Brand new stuff there as of yesterday morning. Great. Now to the fun stuff. The man who needs no introduction, <laughs> Mr. Jim Walmsley. It's your third year in a row here. Um, you've had a couple of difficult, disappointing performances. Um, I think, generally speaking, you've been obviously one of the most talented, most accomplished runners in the world the last couple of years. A couple of Ultra Runner of the Year awards to show for it. But you have an Itra ranking to yes, show for you it. Yes, you do. <laughs> but you've had some uh, some struggles here at this race. Yeah. Uh, so, generally speaking, I think the world wants to know how do you feel coming into the race. Uh, how do you feel compared to the last couple of years? And do you feel any more pressure to, to get it done here and race to your potential? So I feel really prepared for this race. Um, I think training's gone really well overall. Relatively healthy for a race, so I'm really excited about that. And then um, I have the little things I think really dialed in more now than ever. Um, I've worked really closely with Cliff to get a basically a, a completely new nutrition plan for me going forward in this race. And then um, kind of got my socks and shoes completely squared away, so I'm really excited about that because I have a lot of confidence of getting the feet wet, them drying quickly, and having that confidence I think really equates to being able to concentrate a lot on your ability to notice the heat get in the water, not be afraid to get your feet wet, get more wet at aid stations, where I think in the past I've been more hesitant about getting my feet wet and trying to keep them more dry. Um, so that's a really big uh, step forward for me, I think. Um, and then as far as experience, like I haven't done as much recon on the course before this one because I feel really competent and knowing the course, knowing what's coming. Um, I've done a lot of running, specifically in the Grand Canyon, and when you're running along North Kaibab Trail, uh, it's really good practice just to 
um, hop in the river or creek, hop out, hop in, hop out. And so that's been really beneficial and it kind of gets you in that mindset of like, I'm really dry, I'm really hot, hop in the creek, count to 10, hop out, get going again. Um, so that's been really good and been doing that with uh, all the other guys, um, Eric, Tim, Jared, Cody. So um, it's been nice and I think they've picked up that kind of cue of uh, I need to get in whatever puddles available. Um, so, and then as far as pressure goes, uh, I felt a lot of pressure last year, I would mm -hmm. say. And basically, just last year just didn't go well. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get it done and kind of made my own problems and made my own mistakes mm -hmm. and didn't react enough. And I think with last year's race, how that went, it's almost less way less pressure this year. It's not like pressure's added, it's just I can screw yeah. up my own race and or other people can like weather or all sorts of stuff. Um, this race has proven to be tricky for me. So it's like, we'll see. Good. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about another 100 mile race you did do in 2017. Uh, you finished fifth at UTMB. Yeah. That race for you seemed to have some highs in the beginning, yeah. some lows in the middle, and then you put your stuff back together and finished, like ran really hard, like being chased, I think, to the finish you were yeah. able to really hammer. Um, can you talk about, like, what were the takeaways? Like, what did you learn? Did you build confidence in 100 miles? Like, what came out of that yeah. experience? So, I mean, probably the biggest thing is the way I was able to figure something out in the race. Um, maybe exactly what. <laughs> I don't know. but um, Try enough things and I, I did try something, and something did come back around, and I was able to get my legs back. I was able, yeah, you were in the mix of it right there with yep. me. You got to go by me, and then I think I think you're on the same descent as Xavier and Pal, and oh I got all three of you guys on the same descent. Going like 4:30 pace. But then I hit, bottom, I hit the bottom. I hit the bottom, and I'm just like, oh, I'm tired again. So it wasn't like completely back. Um, but it was just it's really confidence inspiring to have that situation, find yourself in the low point, and know that sometimes it does come back. I've also been in other situations like Western States last year where. The more I reflect on it, the more I can agree with myself, like, it wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, I, I just found myself in a really deep hole last year, and, I mean, it, it was like throwing up for the next 12 hours after the race, after I had already dropped, and I'm trying to do things right, and I'm staying in air conditioning, this and that, and it's just, that, yeah, I just got to a rough point last year, and uh, I'm not going to do that this year. So, if staying out of the hole is the goal for this year... I mean, one of the things everybody, I think, admires about you is yeah. your your desire to kind of put on a show when you're racing and to make it exciting for people to watch. And a lot of the times it results in you breaking course records and kind of having these transcendent performances. But at 100 miles, as we've, as we've spoken about, it's kind of backfired at least a little bit. Will, it, will that sort of shift your strategy in terms of the execution of the race? Can we expect you to sprint up the mountain like you usually do? or will you? Well, so I, I do want to give it like a fair effort up. I think maybe last year was a couple minutes too fast. The year before was... Wait, a couple minutes to the top? Or? A couple minutes too fast to the top of a scarpet. I mean, I made up so much time by just running that from the year before I think like it was looking at it about 20 minutes so like I started 
four miles into the race, about 20 minutes ahead of the previous year. The previous year, and then my next two splits were quick. So all of a sudden, it's like I, with the high country conditions last year, I find myself in a situation where I didn't really expect to be on a competitive course record pace, and it's like, well, now we're out of the snow, and well, let's go see, and it just ended up. It was it was really warm early, and I think even being really well heat acclimated, um, I would say regularly I'm pretty heat acclimated, uh, just because where I'm from originally and where I live now. But um, I can still find myself in trouble in the heat. Uh, it doesn't make you Superman in the heat. Oh darn! But uh, yeah, we found that out. Um, but yeah. So what does that, um, what is the idea of wanting to give it a fair effort but stay out of the hole? What does that like literally oh. mean in this case? What, what, um, we, what do you think you're going well, to do? I, I don't want to walk the whole hill up, Yeah. like to start up. But um, I think giving it a fair effort puts me a couple minutes, just a couple miles into the race, yeah. ahead of probably where I want to be split-wise. Mm. So I would expect my first split to be maybe a couple minutes quick, but really that would be running the right pace from the top to, uh, I think, Red Star Ridge or so. Yeah. Um, so I would expect the first one to be, maybe be a little quick, but then I have pretty conservative splits because it's interesting with dynamics of the other racers this year, um, specifically like Francois. Like I think if, he, if you look at his strengths, <laughs> It kind of sucks because uh, his strength. <laughs> his, well, well, I sort of so no, no, too. In, in his in his shoes, his strengths are in the beginning of the course, I think, and it's I think there's a lot more pressure in general on him of like, are you gonna play to your strengths and run well in the beginning and try to get away a bit by the time it's runnable? Because you look at Flo from Germany, Chris Brown, Tim Ferriss, uh, myself. Obviously, Cody and Eric, so we'll just throw the whole crew in there. Um, Get a couple of names. Like, yeah, but, but we got some good running legs, I think, and even comparatively to Francois. So, mm -hmm. And it's not a 20, 25 hour race. It's a. How many 15, minute races? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, call it, we'll call it about a 15 hour race, because I, I think weather considered too, I mean, it's going to be a really hot year. Um, it's always a really hot year, but this year specifically is going to be right up there. Um, but there's been low 15-hour mm -hmm. runs by really good runners in the past yeah. in these sort of conditions. Yeah, I so, sort of see it similar to 2013, yeah. the second year that Tim Olsen run, mm -hmm. won, and he ran, I think, 15 hours, 15 minutes that yeah. year. So I think that's, you know... a, a Solid, indicative, and, yeah. and and you also have Rob Carr that year that also ran similar splits. So um, yeah, I've gone back and looked at a lot of that and some of the hot weather years. But cool. So just talking about your prep really quick. So this year you've raced a little bit less. You've done a couple yeah. shorter races. The only ultra you've done is Lake Salma, where you obviously destroyed it I again. Did. Carrera Alto Seal was technically an ultra oh. as well. It was like 44K. Okay, so <laughs> a couple of ultras. County um, Kings. But to me, it seems like a really intelligent approach. Was that in, was that intentional? Did um, you intentionally race a little bit less to be more fresh I wanted to race Transvolcania in February, uh, but I had an injury over winter, so that kind of delayed everything and it just pushed everything back, mm. and I just more or less just skipped that block and mm. used it as uh, a bit of rehab time. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's made for some some more hiccups than usual in my training blocks with uh, kind of once I get things going pretty smooth, it seems like I can, for the most part, be pretty injury free. But um, I think taking the time off, things aren't as hardened as usual maybe. Um, so there's been like, like in this block, there was one week that I wanted to kind of hold my mileage, right, about 150 miles a week and 30,000 feet or so of climbing. and. Uh, Smellow training. More or less. Than, well, I, I, like the very last run, we just started climbing uphill and probably a mile or two into what ended up being, I ended up just kind of forcing it on like a 18, 19 mile day. Of I ended up getting a bit of a quad strain and basically the next week was off. And then it was like, I can't just hop straight back to 150, but I did take a risk and I went straight back into 110. Hmm. But, um, and basically that working out and then being able to hit a couple more weeks, mm -hmm. I think uh, everything was green lights go and uh, it's back on track. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's probably it for us. I think you've got a whole room and a whole world out there <laughs> rooting for you to... Uh, yeah. Third time's a charm, right, Jacob Holmesley? Yeah, I, it, people have been super supportive this year, just like the last two years, really. But this year specifically, it seems like... I got a lot of people in my corner, and I'm just really appreciative for that. Great. So it means a lot. Well, how about a round of applause for one and only Put on a show for us this weekend yeah, again. Yeah, we'll try. Um, Hopefully so, it'll be a good ending. We'll yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in just a minute with Caitlin Gervin. Yep. All right. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks, man. That's great. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. I got a long way to go. Last year wasn't great, so it'll be good. Feeling positive. Come on again, Jim. What? Get it this year, Jim. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, good to see you again. Nice to see you. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, no, I'm like super excited about it, so. Family come with you? Uh, I'm missing a brother and his girlfriend, but otherwise, I they did not bring a big camera. Though, so. <laughs> I was gonna say, where's your mom? Right there. There she is. <laughs> come on, get your camera out, mom. <laughs> All right, are we good to go? Okay, and we are back here. At the coffee bar, I run far live two days before Western States 100, a glorious Thursday morning. Joined by last play, or last year's fourth place finisher, Caitlin Gerben. Caitlin, we've never met until just about two minutes mm -hmm. ago. But um, yeah, I know this is also your first I run far interview. Yeah. So uh, you kind of popped up on, on my radar, and I think a lot of people's radars, last year here at this race. Mm -hmm. um, so being as it is your first I run far interview, can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from? Sure. 
Yeah, so I'm, first of all, I'm really excited to be here, so thank you guys for giving me the chance, and it's also really fun to do this in like a live interview setting, so I feel like that's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and then I moved to Seattle, Washington um, for graduate school, and I've been there for about almost eight years now, so um, I was running a little bit kind of in college just for fun and then um, started doing some casual marathon running, really non-competitive, and then got into trail and ultra running pretty much once I moved to Seattle. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I read a couple of things about you online. Okay. Um, one of them was that you discovered running through a, like a college running course yes. for credit. Yep. Um, you got this is a true college story. credit to run. Yes, okay. and actually this is a great opportunity for me to give a shout out to that running <laughs> professor, him, Ronnie Carta, which I, hopefully I'll send him this so he can watch that later. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a PE class that I'd heard about from other friends, and they're like, yeah, you can run this class and get, I think it was two credits for marathon, or no, it was marathon and distance training. But for me at that time, I thought, oh, maybe I'll run a half marathon. That was like a distance run to me. So I signed up for the course, I got in, um, and on the first day, Ronnie told the whole course that like, okay, to pass this class, you're gonna need to run a marathon. And I think everyone was like, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding me? Um, so throughout that class, then we did like, I think it was like one day a week where we did group runs and then another day where we were learning about like nutrition and training strategy and stuff. So that was awesome because I didn't run in high school or in college. So it was a good way to make some friends in running and have some training partners and then learn a little bit of the foundations. Um, that's important when you're building up distance. So I actually failed the class that first year because I got injured <laughs> snowboarding and did not run a marathon. But luckily Ronnie let me in next the following year to uh, redeem myself. So that's yeah. great. That's awesome. So yeah. last year you raced your way in at Gorge Waterfalls, mm -hmm. right? And then of course you're back because you finished fourth yeah. last year. Um, you've been pretty dominant in the Pacific Northwest and you just finished 10th at the uh, World Championships yep. in Spain mm -hmm. just, what, four or five weeks ago. Does your fourth place finish from last year and your recent success like on the international stage give you confidence coming into the race? Or how are you how are you approaching it strategically this year as compared to last year? Yeah, so I think what's like both Western States last year and then the Worlds, which was just recently, um, gave me the confidence that like I do deserve to be racing in the front. And I think last year coming into Western States, it was a lot of like, oh my gosh, like look at who these who yeah, I'm running next yeah. to. I was you know, running next to a lot of people that I look up to in the mm -hmm. sport. And so there was a lot of imposter syndrome of thinking like, do I deserve to be here? Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. And then, you know, everyone was so nice. So that was one of the coolest things last year was just running alongside women who are basically, you know, idols to me. So that was really cool. So I think um, coming into this year, I feel um, less pressure, less nervous. I'm just excited to go out and run because you know I, I have um, you know running in the Northwest there's a lot of um, a lot of local races and a lot of people that I've met through those mm -hmm. and so I had all that support last year so that was so fun to see a lot of people back home rooting for me but I felt like coming here I didn't really know anybody mm -hmm. um, and so it's fun now this year there's a lot more familiar faces and I've been on the course and, and I, I think I'm going into it just knowing that I've had um, quite a few good races where I've been able to you know trust myself run my own race and then put that together to have a, a solid finish. And so I'm hoping I can do the same this That's year. So cool. so. Awesome. I want to ask you a little bit about strategically how the race went last year. Mm -hmm. Like numbers wise, you started, you know, decently far back in the field, like in the 15s-ish. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then you just gently moved up throughout the race. And then it looked like there were turbochargers that just turned on on California Street. Yeah. Um, so that's how it went numbers-wise. And then when you crossed the finish line, like, you had so much bounce as you were running around the track. I was like, that girl's got a couple intervals left in her. <laughs> She'd like, um, how did that... How did it feel strategically and physically for you, your your side looking at? Yeah, so I I think a few, a few things is that last year Western States was my second hundred, um, and so I still you know I had a feeling of kind of what those later miles in the race would be like, but there's still so much unknown. I think every time it's it's still hard to really predict, but I know one of my I mean, kind of you have to know what your strengths are and try to keep that in mind as you're planning out the race, and so I know. I tend to be a second half runner, um, and so I just, especially with the high country conditions last year, I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to just run by feel, um, try to run conservatively, but still in a place that would, you know, at a time that would still put me in a good striking distance to make it into the top 10, um, and then, you know, I'd gotten some great advice that I think a lot of people know, like the race starts at Forest Hill, so, and that was when I was picking up my pacers, so my husband Ellie paced me from Forest Hill to Greengate. Um, and I wanted to get to him able to run so that we could really have some fun. And that's where we started passing people. And then my friend Ladia, who just um, ran Broken Arrow uh -huh. last weekend, uh -huh. she paced me from Greengate to the finish. And she's such a speedster. So I was like, I need to get to her being there. able to run. Because I don't know Yeah, I don't know if she can run slow. So like we're going to get to her and be able to run. So that was, that was really fun. And it's always fun feeling you know relatively speaking stronger towards the end of the race it's you know it's fun chasing people down so yeah you and Jeff Browning almost had identical races looking back at last yeah. year and that you were well outside the top 10 and then after Forest Hill sort of moved through the entire field and both finished fourth it's kind of cool to look back and, and yeah. see that but also obviously you mentioned the snow last year and the difficult conditions, you know, a slow year comparatively. This year is also setting up to be one of the hotter, one of, if not the hottest race in race history. Have you done anything specific to prepare for the elements this year uh, that maybe uh, yeah. you think will help you be more successful? Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get in a sauna. So mm -hmm. it's not, it, luckily we've had a few hot days recently up in Seattle area, but it's generally pretty mild temperatures mm -hmm. there. So. I think I did this basically a similar thing as what I did last year, like getting in a sauna, um, trying to get for a few runs in the heat, although that's hard because usually it's hottest yeah. in the middle of the day, which is when I'm at work, so that's hard. So, um, But I feel, I feel pretty good about my heat training going in, and last year I just tried to use ice as much as possible, stay wet, so I'm going to do the same thing again this year. I, was, I think I was wet almost the whole race last year, so I think <laughs> that helped. So. Um, let's talk about the other women in the race. Like, you know, you said last year that you were just like, oh, I'm really surrounded by women who mm -hmm. I look up to. Well, like, this year there's going to be women looking up to you, you know, as that type of person. Do you have a plan for what you're going to do with the other women around you? Are you really going to try to stick to your own race the entire time? Or are you going to try to enjoy some really easy miles in the company of women? There's... I don't know, there's this cool, like, picnic that women do at the escarpment at sunrise. Are you going to participate? I, yep. I mean, part of the thing that's so cool about running these races is that there are so many fun people to run with, so that's definitely a big part of the experience, which is why I really was excited to come back to this race this year. So, no, I, I definitely hope to connect with some runners um, out on the course, but at the same time, I think I want to... 
go into this race trusting myself, trusting my fitness, and making sure that I don't get too comfortable early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last year that was, you know, running around and I'm seeing like, oh, these are all the women who finished mm-hmm. top 10 last year. This is great. I'm in a good, good mm-hmm. place. And um, so, I mean, that's definitely, I still, still want to kind of have a little bit of that, but I don't want to fall into being too comfortable if it mm-hmm. feels good. So. The, this is a race that tends to feed people's addictive personalities. There's a lot of people who are like, I really want to finish this race five times, ten times, twenty-five times. Um, is there is there any of that, like, ooh, I just want to keep coming back and seeing how much incrementally better I can, I can do at this race? Yeah. Um, after last year's finish, I was really looking forward to coming back this year. Um, I tend to not repeat a lot of races. Mm-hmm. I really like running in new places, especially hundreds. There's not... You can't, I mean, I feel like you can't really do too many hundreds in a year, mm-hmm. and so there's so many awesome courses that I'd like to branch out, but um, I'm not going to make any calls until after this race happens. So, yeah, one race at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are really interested to see how you do this weekend, and uh, I know I personally will be keeping my eye on you. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, we, you were in my um, I Run Far Prediction yeah. Contest top eight women, so yeah. my eyes on you too. Okay. Well. No pressure, <laughs> okay. no pressure. It's okay. Uh, anyway, a round of applause for Caitlin Gordon. <laughs> uh, good luck this weekend. Thank you. And uh, yeah, take care of yourself. All the best. And I think uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, Stephanie Violet. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah, I Challenge tomorrow. 
No way. <laughs> it's really fun. Me neither. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I don't want you and who else in the room is racing on Saturday? You, no, no uphill challenges. Although Michael Wardian um, did that one year where he raced the uphill challenge yeah, on Friday. He, yeah, he raced 100 miles and he finished in seven, 18 hours and something. He was by, And yeah. then the next day he, he, raced he ran a the mile. mile. A mile on a track in six, 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 it was like under 630. It was ridiculous. And his stride, his stride over the mile just gradually opened up and he hardly looked like he'd run 100 miles. So. Maniac. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> With like four hours in between. That's right. I think he that was a marathon, too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Got some interesting physiology. Yeah. I'm envious. <laughs> no, because then you're entitled to that, right? That's like, true. Got to keep running, never put your feet up on it's the It's really nice to rest. Yeah. I feel like someday I would like to take a photo of Michael Wardian with his feet on a couch just relaxing. Like, that has probably never been documented probably before. Not. Like, how does that guy have time for anything? <laughs> We're going to wait just a minute or two. Okay. Until... Oh, unless you want to get started. Yeah. So, um, if you Drink more coffee. spy under the table, Stephanie's got our brand new I Run Far Dry Max socks on. They're really nice. We literally just got, got them in the mail yesterday. Um, basically, when um, the Hayden Hawks sock uh, was released from Drymax, we loved that sock because it's got like the hot weather top to it, but it's got some cushioning on the bottom, which is really nice for ultra distance running, especially if you're not planning on having super wet feet. Um, and so, yeah, we uh, said Drymax, we want the I, I Run Far sock to look like that. So, yeah, I haven't had one on my own feet yet, but Stephanie's got it. <laughs> They're nice. That's a good purchase. <laughs> Shall we? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, again, I Run Far Live here at the Coffee Bar in Squaw. I'm here with Megan Hicks and the one and only Stephanie Howe Violet. Stephanie is, of course, a three-time finisher of this race. And the 2014 champion of Western States 100. She's our first former champion who we're speaking with. So my first question for the, those of us who will never win this race, what's it like to be the Western States champion? Looking back, what do you remember from that day? And like, what has it meant to you to be the champion? Um, well, that, that win meant a lot to me. It was my first 100-mile race, and the Western States in general just means a lot to me, so it was kind of like double. Like, I, I have a hard time putting into words what that meant to me, but coming through on the track, I felt like I was floating. It was, it was literally one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, leading up to the track, I don't remember that much. Honestly, it's kind of a blur. Um, I know there were some high points, some low points, um, kind of getting through Green, Green Gate and not knowing what my body was gonna do the last 20 miles. It was a lot of surreal, mm -hmm. like, what am I What am I doing? Mm -hmm. But um, really cool. And coming back, it's just been, you know, I haven't um, quite performed that well, but it's still, every finish almost means that much to me. Mm -hmm. I love this race. Yeah. I love seeing how, I mean, yeah, last year's race obviously like wasn't your dream race yeah but i loved seeing the emotion and the yeah just like that emotional component of 
it was just so obvious on you at the finish line in several different points on the course. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when you don't have your best race, it seems like there's a lot of emotional, positive energy in there. There is. Um, I mean, I'm almost more more proud of last year than I was of the year I finished or the year I um, won. I just think I, I don't quit. And so I knew, I mean, there was no way I was going to quit. It was just a matter of working through it. And it got really hard, but the feeling is still the same when you cross the finish line. And I think that's something that's been important to me is to know when I get into a situation where things are totally falling apart, just to, to not give up. Um, that's been kind of my, my motto to, to get me through these races. And it's really meaningful, really emotional. So kind of in the same vein, uh, after you won, you got third the next year in 2015. Yep. Then you had an injury which kept you out for a year or more, if mm -hmm. my memory is accurate there. And since then, in hundreds, you've kind of had a little bit of adversity. Um, <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. Well, yeah. I, just like as an outside observer, yeah. you know, obviously you have the potential to win any race that you're in. And the last couple hundreds have been, I think, a little bit challenging for you. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, is it just bad luck or was it a return from injury and just gaining strength again? Or is there something specific that you might attribute it to that you've been working on? I think it's a combo. Um, I think I had a little bad luck, um, but also I wasn't super confident. So coming back, I, I was, you know, I just didn't trust my body. I didn't trust my instincts with fueling and pacing. And so I was just not quite a confident runner again. And so I think last year I did have a lot of trouble with the hundreds and, um, you know, there's a bit of a learning curve. I feel like I got back into it and realized things like, you know, I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this because I, I know a lot. I do nutrition, um, but I made some nutrition errors in both my hundreds. Um, so I was just relearning that, like, oh, my gosh, you got to you got to rethink this. Like you're starting not from zero, but I had been so comfortable with knowing what to do that when I finally got back into racing, I had to remember those things again. Um, so. I think I have now. I've been really thinking about it. Um, and then another thing that I think really impacted me last year was the year of injury. I, I cross-trained as much as I could, and I used up a lot of mental energy getting through that. So when I got to the start line of Western States last year, I was pretty burned out mentally because I'd just been fighting for so long. Um, and I, I think, you know, hindsight, I don't know what I would have done differently, but it was it was pretty tough to get there and just feel like I had already given so much. Mm, to even be healthy. To even be healthy. So this year there. you feel like more yourself and more energetic. And I do. I'm psyched. Yeah. I, and like from a training standpoint, it's a lot easier when you're not injured, <laughs> you know, to, to be able to just go, it's a good through, lesson. Good go lesson. through the motions um, and, and enjoy it. Yeah. I want to ask you about that nutrition part because you are you are a nutritionist and the nutrition is like the one of the hardest nuts to crack yeah. running ultras in general let alone running 100 the 100 mile distance what what have you learned and relearned yeah like there's got to be like an awesome knowledge drop right there yeah. <laughs> um i've learned that you're, even if you think you have your system down, it, it changes mm -hmm. depending on the, the heat, depending on the time of year. So I think everyone has like a, a range they fall into and it's not a, you know, a 
simple equation. Mm. So that that's one thing I had to, to remember. Like, okay, even though this this formula worked in this race, in this race it might be slightly different. So having that ability to adapt. And then also, this is my big takeaway from last year. I got so confident in my fueling. I'm like, I know how to do it. I know how to take gels. And so when I would train, I would go out with like peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like, you know, real food because it tastes better. Who wants to eat a gel? Um, but then I got into the races and I was like, Oh my gosh, I, yeah. I, my body is not, my body's rejecting these things. Like I couldn't eat blocks, I couldn't eat gels. And so I realized like, oh yeah, you need to practice with race food. So that was a good just, you know, um, reminder to me that, you know, you want to use some of your long runs to mimic what you want to do in a race. Cause otherwise it's like, <laughs> it doesn't work. So in terms of Western States on Saturday, knowing or like relearning that fact that we all have these ranges of what's acceptable and the conditions for keeping your stomach going are really like not ideal here in Western States. Yeah. What have you like given yourself a plan A and then a plan B or yeah, sort of, you... yeah, it's uh, plan A. And for me, the, the thing that helps me fuel the most is to stay cool. And so that's kind of like, that goes along with my nutrition plan. Um, I've been really bad in the past um, just telling my crew, I don't want ice. I don't want water because I, I just don't want water on me. And that's yeah. so weird. So this year I'm like, <laughs> if I fight it, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Um, I'm saying this out loud. So yeah. it's more for me to know. Stephanie, listen. Um, so Let I think them douse you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to help me. But then I also know that you know, I have a plan, um, based on the heat, but as it gets warmer, that plan is going to be adaptable. So I'm going to gravitate more towards liquids later in the day when I can't get gels down. Um, and so my crew knows also, you know, I have some options, but I don't have like 20 options because I've done that before too. And then I come in and they've got like, do you want this, 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 this? I'm like, ah, ah, too many decisions. So keep it simple. That's one of my themes and have like, I have three choices. Take one. <laughs> so transitioning to your preparation for this year's race, you've done the formidable 50K, which yep. you won down in Auburn, you know, kind of course specific. You did mm -hmm. another race, a North Face race in Peru, I think it was. You won mm -hmm. that race too. Um, how do you feel generally coming into the race? Like how has your training been and how did you kind of use those races to, to prepare for this? So being totally honest, um, formidable was awesome. That mm -hmm. was a really good, you know, last year I didn't have the best, um, the best race results. So formidable was a good confidence booster. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I feel great. It, 50 K's are tough for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt like I nailed it. So that was, that was really great. And then I went to Peru, um, for a North Face race and that was hard, huh? Yeah, uh, that's like a, a nice way to put it. Um, so I, it destroyed me. Just yeah. I went. It was super hot. It started at two in the morning. Um, it took it took me thirteen hours to do a, an eighty k, and um, so that was kind of unexpected. There was ten finishers, so it, it kind of it crushed me um, in maybe not the best of ways. It, it showed me that I'm tough and I suffer, but. Um, I had to take a lot more recovery after that mm -hmm. race. So I missed Lake Sonoma this mm -hmm. year, which was a big bummer for me. That's one of my favorite races. But for the wine or for the running? That's uh, both. <laughs> and, you know, just for the, the, the whole scene there, like seeing everyone. Um, but hindsight, that might have been good because it gave me some time to, like, recover and then have, like, a, a gradual buildup. So it's been a little bit non-traditional training leading into Western States, but I feel good about it in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Dylan and I have a couple specific questions yeah. about your training. First of all, um, you put at least most of it on Strava, so it's publicly did, available yeah. that people can see what somebody like you does for your training. Your training included a lot of running, but also a lot of biking in the lead mm -hmm. up. Can you talk about that strategy? Yeah. So I, um, well, one, I just come from a more multi-sport background. So I enjoy doing those activities. To me, it's not like forced cross training. Um, and we have these windows in bend in the fall and in the spring where the, the gravel riding is spectacular. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of one of my favorite things to do was to take my gravel bike out and just explore. So that was part of it. The second part was um, I... I had a little bit of Achilles tendonitis in both sides. And so that was a, a way for me to kind of run, but then let it heal. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. And then I just do better with less miles, honestly. Like I've learned this over the years that if I add in some cross training, um, I generally feel like I recover better and my body responds. So I feel the yeah. same way. Yeah. Another specific question as it pertains to your training, I noticed that you went out to Colorado Springs a, a few weeks ago yeah. to train with our mutual coach, Jason Coop. What was the thought behind that trip? Was it a specific kind of training camp, and what did you guys look to accomplish there? Yeah, so it, it was great. Um, it was a really hard training camp for me. Um, so a couple things, the heat, and I, it was only 95 degrees, yeah. um, but it it crippled me. Yeah. So that was really good. And then the altitude yeah. and then just getting on some tough trails. So it was honestly my hardest week of training and not so much. I was like putting in all these miles, but it was, it was awesome. So, but what was the thought behind it? Did, did Jason like reach out and say, Hey, I want you to come and, and train here or vice versa. Or what was the thought behind like getting together for a camp? Yeah. Like that? So it was kind of twofold. Um, we had been talking quite a bit about, you know, just training. And then also I came there to see, he had a PT there okay. that I saw. Um, and it, just long story short, I've had, like I said, I had Achilles tendonitis and trying to figure out the underlying cause mm -hmm. of that, um, which just to share this, cause I think it's fascinating. Um, cause I've seen a few PTs, but it seems like it's related to my vestibular, um, like what the balance. Hell is that? So it's like your inner <laughs> ear and like your balance. So it was really crazy. I get super car sick and I get nauseous at night when I'm running. And that's been my problem. Like with UTMB, remember I saw you early on and, um, it was night and I'm like, I'm nauseous already. So at night with the lights, I just get really sick. Whoa. And so she was like, asking me all these questions so we put two and two together because i can't balance on one foot um and she's like you need to work in your vestibular control so so it was great for um, a number of reasons um and this is just good for anyone to know because i don't think this is common knowledge that that can happen but it's it's easy to retrain so, that's fascinating yeah that's isn't fascinating. it it's crazy that was not what i was expecting well, yeah, that's, I want to look into that now, but maybe just last question in terms of strategy for Saturday. Yeah. Um, how do you, how are you thinking about the race? Do you anticipate, you know, going out conservatively because it's going to be quite warm in the afternoon? Or are you just going to kind of run your race by feel? Are you going to be keying off anybody in particular? I'm definitely not keying off anyone. I'm, I'm going to run my race. I, I kind of think back to my first year because I think that was, I, ran it the best and I was terrified of the distance and so the first 10 miles I just I was really far back and it I was just mm. like warming up mm -hmm. and it it worked out really well later in the day mm -hmm. so I think the past couple years 
I felt a little more pressure just on myself. And this year I feel more removed from it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just more mature about it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm not as much in the spotlight. So I feel like this, like, okay, just, just do your thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely not... You won't see me up the escarpment first. Um, you probably won't see me getting into Robinson Flat um, near the front. I just am going to do my thing, take care of myself. I think staying cool is going to be more important for me mm -hmm. to be able to run later in the day. So that's my strategy so far. And um, my career is going to ice and douse me. <laughs> so if you see um, Stephanie Violet not like wetted down, throw some water at yeah, her. Yeah, call me out. <laughs> Taking all water. <laughs> yes. Well, we're so excited for you. I know I'm very excited to, to watch the women's race in general. I think it's going to be very, very interesting, very open. And, yeah. Uh, it's great to have you here as a as a past champion, and good Thank luck you. getting a, a second Cougar trophy this Saturday. <laughs> My Cougar's lonely. Yeah. It needs a friend. <laughs> I wish we could all say the same. It's a good problem to have. Uh, round of applause, please, for And uh, next up, we have the race director of the Western States 100 Mile Endurance Run, Mr. Craig Thornley. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm having a healthy. Yeah, I didn't know you were having a problem today. It's like it's so different than I had before. It's just like just tendonitis. I don't mean like just, but it's frustrating, right? Because like time off doesn't help it. So it's a bit sore, but it's it's okay. You know, everyone has their thing. It's my thing. That's your Achilles. It's my Achilles heel. Yeah. But yeah, the um, vestibular stuff has been crazy. I just had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Uh huh. <laughs> well, your day isn't too crazy. It's good. States. What? Tis the Thursday. It the is State. the Thursday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who knows what's going to go off here, but it's on vibrate. So. <laughs> you want to do this one? Sure. All right. We are here at the coffee bar in Olympic Valley. We are with race director Craig Thornley. Your hosts are Dylan Bowman and myself, Megan Hicks. This is part of the I Run Far Live at Western States three show set. If you are here at Olympic Valley, we're back live at 4 p.m. today for another five interviews. If you're with us online, join us at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We also have a store you can buy stuff from, irunfar.com store, or back there. 
We've got a couple sponsors to thank really quick. We want to thank Dry Max Buff, Jaybird, and of course the Coffee Bar for hosting us today. Let's do this interview. We are with the master himself, Craig Thornley. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? <laughs> good, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, Have you slept in a few days? Uh, yeah, I slept a bit last night. Yeah. You better, was, you better bank those hours <laughs> while you can. <laughs> yeah, it's easier than last year. Yeah. So, so far. I want to ask you, um, I mean, this 15-minute interview could be five hours, but you have a really interesting story about how you encountered the Western states for the first time. We actually published it on I Run Far, but it's several thousand articles back, so I want to bring that story alive. Okay. How did you, how did you meet the Western states? I met Western states in 1978. That was the second year, wasn't it? 78 or 79. Um, my stepdad and mother moved us to Auburn Lake Trails. We were about a mile and a half from the aid station there, and we were, my brother and I are camping right in the middle of the trail near Hoboken Creek. If it's between Green Gate and, and ALT. And we see this runner come by and very dirty, very tired, and wanted to know where the aid station was. And we said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then another one came by and another one came by and we, we realized, holy cow, we're at mile 83 or so of this 100 mile race. And, and uh, I remember distinctly looking at their eyes, other than the fact they were really dirty, mm-hmm. but what the blank stare, and I said, man, I want, I want to experience whatever they're experiencing really? right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. My brother, too. Like, yeah. I don't know what that is, yeah. but I want it. And I was, I was young, but um, yeah, that's how we found out about the trip. That's great. And you've finished, what, nine times now? Nine times, yeah. Great. And including last year, you were able yeah. to run and finish your own race. I was yeah. curious how that experience was as the race director. Did the perspective of being a runner in your own race lead you to maybe think about changing anything in particular? Or did you notice anything while you were running that you then wanted to implement in this year's race? Yeah, there's no way the race director could go to every aid station mm-hmm. unless we had a helicopter. Right. So I got to see every aid yeah. station and... Um, I, I saw some things that I wanted to prove, uh, improve on, um, but I think what I was struck with was I ran significantly slower than I had in my previous eight, <laughs> so I got to see the aid stations at the end, and I was amazed that the volunteers were still incredibly enthusiastic, even though I was 50 minutes from the cutoff. Yeah. You know? So I don't know, how do you improve that? It was, it was an incredible perspective. And the 99-mile party... I live right near there. Yep. It was way better than <laughs> yeah, midnight or one in the morning, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Everybody's awake, they've already been drunk and they're hungover, it's gone, they've already you know, sobered up. And it it is one of the most incredible things. What Craig's referring to is Roby Point and what they call the golden hour, the last hour before the 30-hour cutoff. Just being on the road there between Roby Point and the finish line, it's incredible experience. So. It is. It's worth it. If you're going to finish in 28-something, just slow down a little bit. Be a golden hour finisher. I love it. Best hour, right? It is the best hour in ultra running. You know, Hard Rock's last hour is pretty special, too. They both are golden hours, right? Yeah. Um, You became the race director of Western States in 2012, is that right? I think I was assistant in 2012, and then 2013 was my first. Is where you took over. Yeah. Okay. 
So this is number six. Yeah. Before that, I mean, your relationship with the race started the year I was born. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, you had a long relationship with the race. You ran it eight times. I think you were involved with like pacing, crewing, maybe volunteering when you weren't running. Talk about... Yeah, talk about Western States circa 1980s, 1990s. Yeah, we started working at Dusty Corners because my mom knew uh, the, the aid station captains. Okay. There. So I, I would work, um, you know, I was just a day volunteer, mm-hmm. um, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any responsibility. I just showed up. And my brother and I were runners, so they let us do, you know, if someone was cramping, we were the experts somehow. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, and we paced and crewed over the years, and um, yeah, and then I finally ran in 2001, okay. my first year. And then I guess you just kind of went at it. You racked up a bunch of eight finishes by 2001. Yeah, it was close. I had actually, before I took the job, I had trained ten times. So I really, I would have been finished with AJW. Yeah. Um, but in 2006, I got hurt 21 days before mm. the race. Couldn't start. And then in 2008, the fires. Fire. So that's why I'm scrambling to get my last two as race director. <laughs> if I wait until after I retire, my wife keeps reminding me, you're going to be a lot older. <laughs> you barely made it last yeah, year. Yeah. So. <laughs> but in yeah. fairness, like racing and directing the same race has to be almost an impossible ask. Like to be able uh, to put in enough miles in the months leading up to this race when I, you're organizing? I thought, I really thought I could run. 22 or 23 hours. Okay. But the race week didn't go as planned because of all the snow and the trail conditions. Okay. With the high country, you know, having um, been put to bed, all Mm -hmm. the the American River Conservancy purchased 10,000 acres of land. And it's now in wilderness, some of it. Mm -hmm. Well, they had pulled out all the corvards and got rid of all the roads Mm -hmm. to return it to natural watershed. And it was put to bed right before the winter snows mm-hmm. and we hadn't seen it until Tuesday before race week so there was no trail Is that right yeah that's right it you melted on Tuesday so I ran from trail, here to Lion Ridge on Tuesday it took me four hours to get through Yikes. the snow and yeah. yeah and find the trail there yeah. was nothing it was just mud so we scrambled oh. to get teams out there to scratch it in and uh, so that week was terrible you were tired <laughs> at the start of the I was week. so exhausted Starting the race, yeah. And I did have a one-hour night's sleep on, I think it was Thursday night. So. Well, speaking um, of other adversity as a race yeah. director, I'm curious if there's one thing you can point to that would seem like a small detail to an outside observer or a runner in the race that takes you and your team like an inordinate amount of time <laughs> or an inordinate amount of stress to prepare. Uh, well, I could give you a couple names yeah. of people, but uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that. I think you could guess. Yeah, it, it's, it's dealing with... Um, with some challenging personalities yeah. and uh, you know they sometimes they derail you and they take a significant amount of emotional yeah. energy and time and uh, you know when they show up at my door <laughs> an hour and a half later and yeah. I, I just lost an hour and a half of work yeah but, um, yeah it's probably those types of um, mm-hmm. and you know we had one yesterday if you're paying attention to I didn't see it. Okay, well, good. Okay. Well, there was one le- yesterday that we had to resolve, and uh, it took it took time. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure it's a, a difficult position to be in, and I think one of the things that 
people really admire about you and uh, that you've brought to the race is just radical transparency and how all the decisions are made. Can you talk about the transparency component and like how that's become kind of your philosophy well, and how valuable it is? I was a runner of Western States. I never intended to be the race director. I had a career in computer science. I have a couple degrees in computer science. I never thought I was going to be a race director. For I would just like to talk to computers all day, right? So, yeah. And uh, so I was, I came at it from someone who was in the lottery. And I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. So when I got the job, like that was that was the first thing I was going to do. Yeah. Everything's going to be transparent. And that forces us to do the right thing. Yep. Right? If you're not transparent, you can kind of like, oh, this guy got in this way or this woman got in that way. Um, but when you're transparent, you can't critique us for doing anything. It's all out there. It's all out there. You know? I mean, we can make mistakes, obviously, but we spend a lot of time to make sure we don't make any mistakes. So. I think the Western States 100 is, you know, like rightfully said to be the grandfather of American trail ultra running and there are a lot of eyes also from outside of America looking at this race as a as a leadership race as a you know a race with a really good storyline um, but being in the leadership position we all know can be a blessing and a curse because uh, you receive the great stuff from the community but you also um, have to make hard decisions or absolutely you know following the moral or ethical line is difficult mm -hmm. um, you guys are a group you're a you're a board you're a group of people who make these decisions together that doesn't necessarily make them easier but like what's sort of like just take, I mean take me in your head for a minute like what do you think about as you're making these sort of hard decisions that will have um, little ripples throughout the throughout the, the world community well I think I always want to do what's best for the event and best for the runners and, and runner experience if, if that if that ever slips from the priority mm -hmm. then I think we're going the wrong way right? mm -hmm. so I, I'm always thinking about that and uh, there's plenty of examples where runner experience wasn't wasn't at the forefront of decisions at other races right and um I think that's a huge mistake myself. Well, you tweeted yesterday something to the effect of, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but at the end of the day, your job is just to give people the best experience that you Absolutely, can yeah. from Squaw to Auburn. And Absolutely. That, and you, that's that it. That kind of voiced yeah. your gratitude that that is, yeah. that is your job. Yeah. And I think that's so incredibly cool. So I, your phone luckily has not rung. It, I got, it hasn't. I got, a I got a text here, but so, oh, it's just monkey boy. <laughs> so maybe boy. one more question just to close it out. Just what does your day look like on Saturday, or what does your whole weekend look like? The day is changing. The day's plans are changing this morning. Uh, I was going to go to Lion Ridge, Red Star, um, Dusty Corners, and then the finish line. But now it looks like I'm going to go to the finish line right away, mm -hmm. which, eh. Mm -hmm. The net control. Okay. Because um, our T Ted Knutson, the ultralive.net guy, uh, is running the race this year. Yeah, so I forgot yeah. to fill in for him. So he's going to be the... Yeah. And then, you know, I'll be at the finish line for the first finisher, and I'll stay there till 5 a.m., mm -hmm. 4 a.m., 5 a.m., until I get a couple hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I would love to stay there the whole time, yeah. <laughs> from 7 p.m. to 11, but it's pretty hard to yeah. stay awake yeah. that long. 
Um, and then uh, I'll be back for uh, the, the golden hour and then the, then the awards. So, but most of it, you know, it's really just press and go on Monday mm-hmm. or on Saturday. Just press go and all the infrastructure hopefully works and we've got uh, in, you know, decision making trees in place and everybody's practiced and, and drilled. So um, it shouldn't be too hard for me. Great. Shouldn't be. I hope not. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking a short bit of time out yeah. for us. This, and uh, I think you're a widely respected and admired race director on the circuit. And thanks for everything you do for for the sport. And I think uh, we're all rooting for you this weekend. All right. so thank you, luck. guys. Yeah. I love this new edition here. And awesome. obviously the coverage of uh, that you guys do on race day, not just on our race, but all the races over the world is, is cool. I actually admit to looking at Twitter instead of my Ultra Live on race day, I will probably be following your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> ultra, ultra Live is awesome for following the if you entire pack exactly, yeah. 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 If you want to yeah, know what's happening at the head of the race right this second. So, I love you, Ted. But <laughs> no, we Until also he makes love you, Ted. <laughs> an app for Android. Oh. He's got an app for iOS. But okay. Round know. of applause yeah. for the race director, right. Mr. Frank Borman. Last interview coming up with uh, Tim Ferriss in just a minute. Thanks for coming by. Good luck, Dad. Get some sleep, huh? Or like five coffees or whatever. I didn't think like this would happen, so it's been really good to finally get some good training in and be out here and ready to race 100 miles. So, yeah. miles, yeah. yeah, it's an intimidating proposition. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, first hundred mile, first Western States. I think, uh, ready, yeah, I think I'm as ready as I can be. So, all right, should all right. We launch into this. Let's launch. Okay, we're back here. I run far live from the coffee bar Thursday before Western States 2018. We're joined by none other than Timothy Frericks from Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, Tim, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks um, for having me, guys. It's it's strange, you know, for me as kind of like an observer of the sport. You're you're sort of flying under the radar coming <laughs> into great. the race. It's, it kind of boggles my mind. I think in a race that has you know the likes of your friend Jim Walmsley yeah. and Francois Dane, who's one of the greatest of all time, yeah. it, it lends to other people being able to fly under the radar. Of course, you had one of the most incredible seasons last year, winning both Transmontana and the North Face uh, 50 Mile Championship at the end of the year. Two world class. Um, you know, events with international fields. Uh, how did your kind of meteoric rise in the sport, and yeah. especially your success in 2017, how has that like helped you come into this race, and does it give you confidence going into the race? Yeah, I think it does. I, 
I, so I've seen success at 50 miles, and like I really like that distance. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that distance is a good distance to just acquaint you with ultra running in general. But it's it's definitely not not 100 miles. 100 mm-hmm. miles is a different beast. I think you know talking with Jim and talking with Jared and guys that have done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely gives me confidence. Like I know I've been able to do it over the shorter distances. Um, I think just going into this with a kind of a like a, a little bit of a cautious approach, but kind of ready to get after it and knowing that like I've put in the training, um, does give me confidence for race day. But, um, but yeah, there is an element of like first time going in. Um, but, um, but I think other guys have had success their first time and, um, ready to kind of get after it and give them my best shot. Let's talk about that concept of stepping up to the hundred mile distance for a minute, because there are yeah. people watching right now in this room and online who are on the cusp of their own, yeah. First hundred mile races, like you're doubling distance. For sure, yeah. What's for that sure. like? Yeah, like what is that process like in your head of trying to wrap your head around it? And... I, I think what kind of gives me peace of mind is just looking at the little things, like making sure like my crews ha- are dialed and um, you know taking care of things from a nutrition standpoint. Um, but yeah, and like. Doubling it, doubling the distance of what I've been competitive in is intimidating. But at the same time, like I'm somebody that like I like a new challenge and um, no, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like a new challenge. And I think going into it with that mindset of like I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself and push myself with something new and something longer um, has me really excited to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I honestly think the whole first hundred mile thing is, is a little bit overrated too. So. I don't think I need to worry too much. But um, I saw you this spring at Lake Sonoma 50. You were there supporting your friends. Um, and, of course, everybody in your little training group got into the race, which yeah. was incredible to watch. But you, yeah. were, you were hurt at that point. Right. Can you tell us what you were dealing with and how your recovery has been, how yeah. your training has been since then? Yeah, I, I think um, it, if I can trace it back to one thing, I, I fell in the Grand Canyon on a training run by myself. Yeah, um, kind of on like a, a more remote route and ended up having to like hike out, kind of hobble out. And from that point forward, I ended up favoring my other leg and started having some IT band issues in my left leg. Um, and so that just, you know, it's nothing like a lot of people get stress fractures and, and bone issues. But for me, it's always been like ligaments and tendons that have bothered me. And I think just, yeah, for whatever reason, it was like just knee pain, you know, IT band, kind of classic runner's knee IT band syndrome. And um probably kept jogging on it a little more than I should have. I kept trying to test the waters and I think that kind of probably prolonged things. But I, I don't know, right after I saw you guys at Lake Sonoma, like things started clicking again. I had a lot of great people in my corner and flag staff to work with me. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Wes Gregg at Hypo 2 really got me healthy, I think. And um, and Tommy Pusey was working on oh, me a good. bunch too. So um, yeah, between those guys, like really... Um, was able to start clicking again after Lake Sonoma. So it's been a short block, but um, I kind of like to go into things fresh, a little under-trained, fresh, yeah. yeah, rather than the other direction. In college, I dabbled in the overtraining category a lot, so I think staying away from that is uh, is to my advantage. That's so. probably hard to do when you're uh, training with the, the group yeah. of guys that you are. Yeah, it is. A few people in Flagstaff have told me that you are um, – arriving to appropriate fitness at just the right time. <laughs> yeah, that, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, is that 
talk about what's happened since you were able to start running and yeah, where yeah, do you think I you mean, are? I if if I look back at my training logs, like I've seen I don't know, like before Black Canyon, the race that got me into Western States, I was probably in the shape of my life like in January and I'm thinking <laughs> back like Man, um, it's, it's true. Like after TNF, I'm yeah. always so fit. Yeah, it was just yeah. for sure. Yeah. It was like, man, oh. December, January went really well. And I remember really um, nailing the run in the Grand Canyon in January and just being like, I've got a long way to go until Black Canyon in the middle of February. So I, I do think I've had kind of, if you look at everything, like an eight week block here. And, um, and I, and I, that's worked well for me in the past. I, I would prefer like a couple more weeks, but, um, but I've been really fit off like a two month block in the past. And I think I'm kind of getting into shape, like right at the right time. And it's kind of hard to say too, because we've done so much heat training and it's like when you're running in the heat in the Grand Canyon for your big days, it's like, you kind of just feel like garbage yeah. no matter what. And so it's like, yeah. And so it's like kind of been that I've kind of had to keep a level head with that. Just knowing that like, it's not going to be the same when you're running in 105 degrees in the Grand Canyon. But, um, but I think things are rounding into shape at the right time. Good. Yeah. Well, as I, I sort of said, you're, you're sort of flying under the radar, but astute observers like myself <laughs> think, you, you, think you have uh, a, probably a legitimate chance to, to win the race, even though it's your first 100-miler. Uh, but based on your performances in the past, mm-hmm. um, you're also going to be racing against a lot of world-class guys. Obviously, yeah. your good friend Jim Walmsley, mm-hmm. uh, who has had a, sort of transcended the sport in the last couple of years. Yeah. Francois Dane, who's one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they both sort of like to put pressure on the field early in the race. For sure. It seems you also like to race fairly yeah. aggressively. How do you how do you think about your strategy leading into the race? Do you think you might go with the front pack or are you going to try and be conservative being that it's your first time? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say for sure. Like, I always have, like, a rough game plan and then, like, I try and roll with the punches on race day. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys go into it with that mentality. But I do think for this race, like, I'm going to err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean just erring on the side of caution but I still do want to put myself out there yeah. like I I I don't ever really want to go into a race like just having myself beat already before right. lining up so I think giving myself a shot while being cautious is kind of going to try and be my approach um, you're not going to see me leaving the race in the first like 10 20 miles there's just no there's just no way there's no way um, I do like to be aggressive but um, but not I mean I don't think I think this this place you have to respect the 100 miles you have to respect mm-hmm. the course and the heat and yeah being cautious i think plays to everyone's favor so so does that mean you're gonna want to like know the guys in the front are a couple minutes ahead do you want to keep sight of them are you gonna be running by feel um i think a lot of it for me is going to be running on feel okay. um i think i think comparing yourself to the field is always like a useful tool you know i, I know the guys that are running and I know a lot of them are in really good shape right now. I mean, I train with Jim every week. So, I, you know, I know where those guys are coming from. And so, like, I think I will use those guys as a bit of a gauge. But at the same time, for me, so much of ultra running is just, like, monitoring yourself and kind of paying attention to your internal cues. And I think, um, you know, though I haven't raced one yet, I think that's even more important at 100 miles where the distance is so long. So Let's mostly see. internal stuff. 
Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Let's talk for a second about that heat. So I think yeah. that's one of the big the big factors that are it's gonna influence how this mm-hmm. race plays out. You've experienced some pretty incredible heat in the canyon. Pretty yeah. much like what you're gonna see mm-hmm. in the canyons of western states. How's heat going? How does yeah, how are you in heat? Uh, I, I think I I wouldn't I think I'm like average, you know, I'm not <laughs> Cody Reed will joke about Jim Walmsley. Like, he, Jim is a camel. He he's had some of his best, like, just objective like splits in the canyon. Like, he's run some of his best times when it's like a hundred degrees out. Right? It's just he grew like, up in Phoenix. Yeah, it's, like, it's just not like, fair. Yeah, it's, it's just fair. like he's made for this race. <laughs> Different body thermometer. Yeah, and but I think I mean even guys like Jim are prone to you know overheating. So I think. Um, I think I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty, you know, I, I call myself average, but I do think like growing, I grew up in the desert, not as hot as where Jim grew up, but, um, you know, it'd be 110 in the summers. Um, and so I do have experience in the heat and training in the heat. This block honestly has gone, I've had better runs in the heat than I ever have had for myself. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited. I think it's just another layer of like, well, let's just put our heads down and like get through it. So, yeah. Cool. And, I mean, we've already touched a bit about, like, the community you guys have in Flagstaff and your whole Coconino Cowboy thing. Maybe just, like, tell us a little bit about your guys' group and how you think it, it helps all yeah. you guys. What Like, how often do you guys train together? Anything specific you can share in I, that context? Yeah, I think more than anything, like, we're just a, I, I think, like... We're just a group of friends that like to train together. It's kind of the bottom line. Um, and that has been, I mean, it's been super useful when it was like just Jim and I and, and then Cody. Um, it's just been useful to have like, like Jim was a year into it when I came in and um, or maybe a little more. And just having guys around you to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, we're all self-coached. And so I think just having that um, as kind of like a gauge of like, oh, Cody ran, you know, he went out and won way too cool, or Jim went out and won Lake Sonoma. Like, what were those guys doing when they did that? And like, so I think it's just a useful tool to be able to kind of compare, but it's also like, we've been able to hold each other accountable. Like, I know when I get really deep in the trenches of like working a lot and running by myself a lot, it's a lot easier to like let training kind of slide and like, um, to just being held accountable by my by my friends and having people to join up for a run at like Eric Sensman's run with me at like 9 p.m. before yeah. after a 12 13 hour shift and so it's just like stuff like that That's great. it's just That's super valuable yeah yeah it's so you, it's you, been awesome you mentioned both Jim and Cody and obviously Jim and Jared are both sort of known as being high volume mm-hmm. trainers I talked to Cody last night and he we were talking about how he's more of a low volume guy mm-hmm. how is it do you do you feel pressure when you're when you're training with guys who are doing 150, 170 mile weeks? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, does that influence your training at all? Absolutely. I think like it's um, when you're training with guys that put in that much volume, you kind of question your own yeah. methods. You're like, man, am I? Maybe I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I. I kind of like where I'm at with like my work life balance and just being kind of self limited with work has kept me from overtraining in college. I, I mean, I would, I would routine, routinely do bigger miles, not the kind of miles they're doing now, but, yeah. but back to back weeks for months at a time and, and ended up just kind of overtrained. And so I, I think just paying attention to what works for me and in being like, you know, kind of that moderate, not necessarily low volume or high volume, but like hundred, 110 miles a week has worked really well for me. Um, 
and but yeah, there is a pressure there. Like, man, am I am I not doing enough? But um, but I think finding a balance has worked well. That's smart. Yeah. I've always wondered in that group, like the <laughs> accountability thing. Does the accountability ever go in the opposite direction? Like maybe you better be awful. <laughs> yeah. it, it does. No, it, it does. I mean, and yeah. At least for me, it's like you know, I'll like give the guys this, my schedule or or whatever, and we're talking about things, and I'll, I'll kind of ease off of things. But um, yeah, it, it should probably work that way a little more than like, it does. Let's go have a Dairy Queen instead of a second run, maybe. Yeah. They're like this yeah. lazy guys are doing 110 this week. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to yeah. come see us this morning and. Yeah, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of interested people watching your race on Saturday and a lot of people rooting for you. And um, Yeah, good luck. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Let's give Mr. Ferraris a round of applause. Thank you. Well, that wraps our I Run Found Live at Western States Thursday morning show. We'll be back here at 4 p.m. this afternoon with five more interviews. Um, make sure to have a drink and give your patronage to the coffee bar here. We've also got the I Run Far store back there, irunfar.com slash store, if you'd like to shop online. Thank you so much to Drymax, Buff, Jaybird, and of course the coffee bar for hosting us. We'll see you guys at 4 p.m. There's going to be beer. <laughs> Good job, man. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Good job, man. Yeah, sure.